Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Let's do it. Welcome, Chiefs Kingdom, to another edition of the Out of Structure Podcast. I'm Matt Stagner, joined as always by Ron Cobb Jr. RKJ, how you feeling after a nice, easy win yesterday? Three-game win streak. Uh, I think the Chiefs just needed to see the Raiders. They just needed to see a, a division rival. Um, they just, you know, they've kind of been playing some NFC teams. Kind of been playing teams they don't play all the time. Uh, they just they just needed a familiar face to beat up on, and it, it kind of felt like that because that was a pretty nonchalant beatdown, Stags. I mean, I don't know. It, it really wasn't in doubt too much of the game. I feel like the defense always was 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 you know uh, given confidence and all that, and, and the offense never really had a bad drive after the first drive. So it, it was it was a it's it's weird how nonchalant of a beatdown that was after a season of struggles. Um, it, it was nice to see. It was, it was just kind of a comforting win. Finally, a, a nice, easy victory for the Chiefs. You bet the Chiefs win 41 to 14 over the Las Vegas Raiders in their house. The, uh, the Roomba, the Darth Vader, whatever, uh, <laughs> whatever you want to call that stadium. It is nice to see uh, them get basically on track. And this narrative that we started last week, and it wasn't just us, a lot of folks were looking at that play you know, the drive really at the end of last week's game where Patrick Mahomes started to look like Patrick Mahomes again and said, this could be that launching point. This could be the moment we look back on and say, that's when it turned around. And it certainly seemed to continue all through this week. So let's get to some takeaways from this game. And we've got a few other things on tap for you today. But uh, Ron, what's your first takeaway from this week? Well, you just kind of mentioned it right there with Mahomes ending last week's game against the Packers really well on that drive. Two big pass plays, the last one being the, the scrambling right uh, throw to Tyree Kill, uh, jump ball to, to win the game, seal the game. Uh, yeah, it kind of continued into this week. He looked a lot more comfortable this week, right? I mean, it was, it was night and day, uh, just so in rhythm. I mean, delivering the pass as soon as the ball comes off of his back foot, you know, as, as soon as he gets to the drop, to his drop, you know, getting to a check down in rhythm instead of kind of waiting for something to, to open downfield. Um, everything was just so in rhythm. And you know what that did is it helped role players outside of Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill actually contribute. We've kind of been complaining. We kind of wanted Odell Beckham in Kansas City. We've kind of been saying, you know, why isn't there another receiver that can step up? Well, it how is it coincidental that as soon as Mahomes looks a lot more comfortable, plays a lot more comfortable, the role players do step up? I mean, how about Darrell Williams contributing in the past game? You know, receivers like Byron Pringle stepping up the touchdown late. Uh, yeah, and McColl even had a big play over the middle for a, a big game over the, uh, you know, in, a, in the past game. So, yeah, it's just, it's not a coincidence that as soon as, as soon as Mahomes gets in rhythm, all of a sudden, all the role players that we've been complaining about not being able to make plays, make enough plays to put up 41 points. And that's huge for this team. I think, you know, the stars you can count on, uh, but when it's just them, they tend to struggle or when other teams can take away, you know, Tyreek Hill and, and Travis Kelsey, that this team can struggle. But if they can get contributions like they got yesterday on, on Sunday from those role players, this team is going to be fantastic. They're going to be hard to beat. Um, and, yeah, I was really impressed with what I saw from from Byron Pringle, from Daryl Williams, who all of a sudden is the uh, is Marshall Falk out there, um, the best <laughs> receiving back this team has seen in a while. Uh, we'll call that an aberration, but uh, good for him on a, on a one-day uh, career game in the past game. It was nice to have an easy win that way. And, yeah, that flow, the way it all came, the way it all came together and how easy and fun it looked for Patrick Mahomes was the biggest takeaway. Um, I also noticed on the defensive side of the ball, obviously they're continuing their solid play that they put together, put together over the last few weeks. And one player I noticed that maybe doesn't get as much press – Derek Nadi has been fantastic the last couple of weeks, and he was really getting after it. It wasn't just the fact that he got a sack today, but he's been he's been really active. 
He's obviously one of the strongest men on the field at any given time, but that whole defensive line is coming together and you're getting good play, not only from the edge guys, but, but from Naughty as well. Yeah. Uh, right next to Derek Naughty is, is everyone's favorite chiefs player, new player to kind of rag on a little bit this season. How about Jaron Reed stepping up and, and honestly probably making the two biggest pass rush contributions the entire game outside of, you know, I, I you know, shout out to Naughty fourth quarter, getting a sack to kind of, uh, you know, make sure that the game was sealed. But uh, Jaron Reed gets a sack in the first uh, half off really cool pass rush package. The Chiefs kind of implemented. It was Melvin Ingram kind of standing up over the a gap and, and that helped Reed kind of get loose through the inside. But then also later in the game uh, gets pressure on Carr who throws an absolute arm punt probably gets about five, six seconds of hang time before it comes down into Sorensen's hands uh, and, and, and allows da- dirty Dan to redeem himself. But yeah, Jaron Reed, it, it's kind of been, I feel like we've kind of complimented each, uh, like one, another pass rusher every week, uh, you know, this season, uh, you know, the last few weeks in terms of, you know, it kind of felt like Chris Jones was back against the giants. And then it was Frank Clark and Melvin Ingram, maybe in the Packers game that we were really excited about. And all of a sudden it's Jaron Reed that kind of stepped up in this game. All the pieces that we were excited about before the season that we were all talking about, this is going to be a really deep defensive line. All of a sudden, they're playing well, and this is kind of what we were all excited about. And and if this is, and if they're going to continue to play like this, I mean, it's going to just make everyone else on the defense better. And that's my last takeaway, I guess, is just how it seemed like it was the bet the first time all season, every part of the defense, every part of the offense played well in unison at the same time for a full game, not just one half. Not just one unit carrying one one part of you know one game and and then the next game the other unit carries both units offense and defense played well together and it was a whole team win and it showed up on the scoreboard. I mean, forty one fourteen over an AFC contender. I mean, that's that's very impressive. I mean, it, there's reason to be excited for sure. It's amazing how quick the national narratives have changed just after last night's victory and how <laughs> this team and in, in the season maybe has, has turned on a dime. You know, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. I mean, I think there's a lot that, uh, still to happen in this in this uh, NFL season. And the Raiders as an organization are such a mess. You could chalk this one up and say this opponent just, you know, isn't right or isn't as good as they might have been advertised earlier in the season. But as far as I'm concerned, seeing an easy victory over any opponent the way this season has gone, that's a plus. Uh, seeing them have multiple phases of the game coming together at the same time, that's a big plus. So, you know, we'll take it. And and I think we should be happy and and, and uh, enjoy this one, Chiefs fans, because, you know, there haven't been that many of these in, in recent weeks. So uh, enjoy it while you can. Now, there were some crazy statistics coming up uh, after this game, and I thought we could just talk through a few of our favorites here. You know, there's a lot of conversation early on in this season about how historically bad this defense was. And – we felt like it was overblown at the time. And I think we both said, you know, there, there's been some unusual circumstances. One of them I thought was, was rushing quarterbacks and, and those, uh, uh, those quarterbacks that were able to run sort of destroyed the, the fits and the, and the way they were able to attack a game plan. There was also some players banged up that just weren't all in the lineup at the same time. Uh, now that the chiefs defense seems to be coming together. Uh, there's some, some of our friends on Twitter pointed out some great stats. Uh, Blake Fitch, uh, Bfish24 points out the Chiefs have given up zero rushing touchdowns from week five to ten. Uh, and that's a stat that you would have been floored to hear <laughs> earlier in the season, right? No doubt about it. Are you kidding me? Um, the rushing defense after the first two weeks of the season was like the his, like historically worst to ever play football. I mean, people were calling this defense, you know, just embarrassingly bad and and you know, no part of the defense was good, but especially the rush defense, right? And to go with that stat, actually, Stags, I have a few stats, too. Um, I got a lot of stats, actually, today, but uh, we'll get into a few of them later. Bring the it rushing on. stat, the rushing stat that I have is, is pretty crazy, honestly. So take away uh, the first five weeks of the season. Since week six, the Chiefs have allowed only 88.2 rushing yards per game. That would be the fourth fewest amount in, you know, per game in the, in the NFL right now uh, over a full season. And actually, if you take away just the first two weeks of the season, it would be 92.7. And that would actually be the fifth lowest rate a team is giving up this season. So basically saying that the rush defense since week three has been as good as any in the NFL in terms of a per game 
um, total and, and teams have been trying to run on them too. It's not like teams aren't, you know, teams are just, you know, throwing all over the, the yard against them. They've been trying to run the ball on them, especially because the chiefs have been down in games or have just been tight in games. It's not like, you know, teams are just playing catch up and, and the chiefs are still not allowing the run to, to, to go anywhere. So uh, the run defense, man, it, it, it's impressive how, how good it's, it's, it's been. And, not coincidence, uh, Nick Bolton has, has played better as, as the season has went on. It kind of tells you maybe why the run defense has been better. But it also goes back to that point we just talked about with the defensive line, how how strong those guys are playing in the middle and, and how it's really permeating the, the defense. I, I, think that's, uh, I think that's a good proof point for that. There's also, you know, the other side of the line, the newly rebuilt Chiefs offensive line that still is strangely – it seems like a lot of people haven't yet bought into that. There's still some questions about this offensive line that I've, I've never understood because to my eye, these guys have been fantastic all year, all season, but the, the Raiders game was a nice example. Josh Dubo uh, at Josh Dubo AP on Twitter, the Raiders, uh, the chiefs allowed the Raiders, no sacks. Uh, this is the first time all season they've gone without a sack and in a season low three quarterback hits. The Raiders have been leading the league with eight and a half quarterback hits per game. The Chiefs allowed only three this week. So wow. this is a run-blocking offensive line. These are maulers that are just putting highlight reels with pancakes all over the field. And now all of a sudden, their pass blocking is coming together, even with their third string, their third string right tackle up against a pretty good pass rush against the Raiders. A really, really good performance there. Yeah, you say a pretty good pass rush from the Raiders. I mean, Max Crosby is literally leading the league in P- in pressures and quarterback hits per PFF. And and Yannick Ngakwe wasn't far behind him. He was he was twelfth in the league in pressure. So that's about as good an edge rushing duo as you're going to get. And I was very worried about it going into the game. I I really was. I I, I thought it was going to be a very low scoring game because the Chiefs were just going to struggle to kind of overcome the pass rush just being a, a huge problem. I thought it was going they're going to have to run the ball a lot. No. Wiley Wiley held up and and you know one thing I didn't really think about before the game which is kind of funny is that they did go to college together they're kind of buddies uh, they both went to Eastern Michigan um, they they didn't like go there for a few years ago there's only one year they intersected but um, you know that that kind of stuff you know it, it matter, matters sometimes maybe Wiley just kind of knows Crosby's moves you know a little bit and they kind of seem like it a little bit because Crosby was trying a lot of stuff and Wiley just seemed to kind of uh, shut it down so Shout out Andrew Wiley for holding Crosby down pretty well. It wasn't a hundred percent of the time, but it was it was pretty damn good for a third string right tackle. Shout out Orlando Brown for performing pretty well against Ngakwe as well. He he had a really good game. It, it was really good to see Brown in pass protection. But I mentioned Mahomes at the top helping the role players, the receivers play better. Well, he absolutely helped the offensive tackles as well by playing on rhythm, like I mentioned, by having his drops only really get back to eight or ten, uh, you know, ten yards at the most. If not, he, he was sitting pretty tight at eight, it seemed like, which is really good to see. He's playing a lot com- more comfortable, and that tells us that he's trusting that offensive tackle duo a little more or maybe just trusting, you know, Brown a little more. Obviously, he hasn't been able to play with Wiley a lot. All that to say, you know, Mahomes – when he plays well, it's helping everybody else, and that includes the pass protection, which did look very good last night. But I think it's a product of both them and Mahomes. I think he played really well. This stat from Dan Orlovsky, I thought, illustrated that well. The Chiefs threw the ball 50 times. Of those 50 throws, one hitch or less 44 times. So that's Mahomes getting the ball out quick, 44 of his 50 pass attempts. And it worked. I mean, he took what was easy. Um he noted that the Chiefs had 254 yards after catch uh, on Sunday. And, he, and Orlovsky says that's what we've been looking for. Orlovsky's been out there saying that Mahomes was broken or that he was playing worse than, than most quarterbacks in the NFL up until this week. He was calling on how he sees it, and, and I, don't, I don't blame him for that. I think at the time he probably wasn't wrong, but he's also quick to recognize when Mahomes is on track, when he's doing what it – what he's supposed to be doing, you know, he's, he was playing in rhythm. He's getting the ball out quick. I mean, I, I don't know why it was so hard for them to do that prior to this game, but it was sure nice to see in this one. I heard the broadcast announcers say something to the effect of that Mahomes is playing the, the quarterback position in that game, exactly how it's supposed to be played. He's taking what's there. He's in rhythm. He's accurate. He made it look so easy. And that was super refreshing to see. 
Yeah, and that's one thing that I, I want to make sure we acknowledge on the podcast uh, today is that let's if, if we really look back at it, look at every year of Mahomes' career, these stretches where he just does not look comfortable in the pocket, kind of just kind of looks panicky a little bit um, and, and just kind of is making plays happen out of a whim instead of in design of the play. You know, that's those are there have been stretches. And he's acknowledged this as much, uh, you know, in his press conferences this year. But there, these stretches have happened in his career almost every single season. And he always seems to come out of them at some point. He always seems to find that that comfort level, that confidence level all of a sudden to play stronger in the pocket, play taller in the pocket, kind of just deliver throws on time, you know, maybe even when it doesn't feel as comfortable, um, you know, in terms of pressure wise. But I, it just it, it does seem like we kind of, uh, you know, a lot of people and, and, you know, including us, like you just mentioned, I think we all were kind of thinking it, but we all did a lot of national media members, I want to say did it did seem like they kind of were just like, you know what? Mahomes is having a bad year, you know, it's just, you know, it, it happens sometimes, blah, blah, blah. I, I just feel like we, we, it, it, it did discredit his first four weeks of the season. And it also just like, didn't, didn't acknowledge the fact that these stretches have happened and he always seems to come out of them. And, and all it can take sometimes is, is a confidence builder, big game against your division rival that you've owned your entire career. Sometimes it all take that's all it takes uh, to, to get a little but you know, more comfortable back on track for the, for the rest of the games. And it, it really does feel like that was what happened last night is, is Mahomes getting back on track, getting more comfortable and, and starting, he's going to start playing well moving forward. The stats for Mahomes, he, he broke a few more NFL records or, or extended some of his, um, his, his records here. He went for 400 yards, five touchdowns for the third time in his career. That's a tie for the most of any player in NFL history. And he's 26 years old. So that's a, that's a pretty good stat there. Uh, Field Gates, uh, I think, reported that on Twitter, uh, um, amongst others. Also, he's one of 15 ever to do that without throwing an interception. So 400 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions. It only happened 15 times, and he's the only player in NFL history to do that more than once. I think he did it last year uh, against the Jets. So there's so many of these stats. We can go on all day about uh, Patrick Mahomes. There's a NFL Network pointed out. He now has 30 300-yard passing games, uh, which is the most in, in five seasons in NFL history. Um, so wow. Mahomes', Mahomes numbers, you know, we're going to look back at the, just like you said, those four, you know, four or five bad games that he had there. Um, we could very easily look, look back and forget that those even happened because his numbers are consistently good. I think he's still the NFL leader in passing. Is that right? Right now, passing yards. I think he's second in touchdowns, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, you know, statistically, you know, this may be just a blip on the radar. This may be one of those things that if they go on to make the playoffs and go on another run, uh, people are going to forget that he had uh, four or five bad games. Yeah, and 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 I, I the other thing too, and I'm almost going to contradict my point a little bit. What I just made about you know how he's always had these bad stretches. Um, is, is, is he did play in a division rival against a defensive coordinator that he's played his entire career. He used to you know, be the defensive coordinator, coordinator for the Chargers, Gus Bradley. And he's from that Seattle tree where they play a lot of that cover three, that one high deep safety, and they play that base cover three most of the time. Now, that's not every single snap, and, and they did mix in some too high last night. But that's the thing. This was the first time all year Mahomes and the offense was able to play against a one high base defense for most of the game, every other defense has not even been giving them, you know, a handful of those plays. It, it, you know, the Packers gave them one or two shots at it last week. And that was when they were backed up inside their own territory. I mean, it's, it, it wasn't something the chiefs offense has been able to see at all this year. And they finally got to see it. And that, and that might be what, why the chiefs offense looks so comfortable. Why Mahomes looked more comfortable. He's, he finally got the ability to maybe take those deep shots down the seam. And you saw that a lot with Tyreek. How many times was he attempting Tyreek, da- uh, you know, downfield outside the boundary or, you know, outside, you know, towards the boundaries because it was a one high deep safety look and, and he was able to to hold that safety for a second and then, uh, you know, uh, get it to Hill on the sidelines. So it just didn't always go com- complete. But that just is what makes me maybe want to see it a little more than just this week is because, not every team is going to defend you like this. They're probably the only team. The Raiders are the most cover three heavy team in the NFL pretty much. Um, and you're not going to see that moving forward. Although, I, you know, I, I'm just talking this through. We're, we're thinking this through. It's out of structure, right? Uh, 
The Cowboys actually run a lot of cover three now that I think about it. Dan Quinn is also from the Seattle, uh, you know, the tree. So that's kind of funny. Uh, they are actually going to be seeing another cover three team next week. So uh, maybe maybe that'll that'll be the way to, to keep it going right now. Uh, that's kind of funny. I'm just thinking about that now. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you get Tyreek Hill one on one, good things are going to happen for the Chiefs offense. And that's one of the encouraging things I saw against the Packers was he was taking those shots. He wasn't connecting on them yet, but like just just taking those shots is going to start keeping the defense honest. And sooner or later, they're going to connect, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be fireworks. And and I think this week you saw a little bit of that. Uh, Tyreek Hill uh, again per Matt McMullen. That was his 12th multiple touchdown game since 2017, the most in the NFL in that span. I thought, again, they just made it look so easy with Hill this week. You know, he was getting open and the ball was there on time and the, and the ball placement was so much better this week than what we've seen. And I think that is the thing. And I, 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 we probably talked about this last week, but the thing that Mahomes has been so good at over his career going back to college was ball placement. He's not – He's not putting the ball in harm's way. He's hitting guys in stride. He's letting them run after the ball uh, or after the catch, excuse me. That is the strength of Patrick Mahomes. That's what makes him who he is. And if he's back to, to that, which this week I thought it was phenomenal ball placement, even on little swing passes to Darrell Williams, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the RPO slant to Tyreek, that D ball down the, down the seam or down the uh, sideline to Tyreek, the passes over the middle to Kelsey. He was on time. And the ball placement was was perfect. And that bodes well, regardless of anything else that's going on in the game. Just like you said, if Mahomes is playing like that, this team's going to go places. Yeah, you mentioned Kelsey there. That was fun to see, right? That was good to see Kelsey kind of get back into a groove, uh, him and Mahomes. I feel like their on-field chemistry has just not been as, as strong, I guess, as it has been in recent years. Strictly on-field and just in terms of, you know, we've all heard about Hey, you know, Kelsey knows where Mahomes is throwing it even before, you know, he's breaking his route and, and Mahomes know where knows where Kelsey's going, even if they haven't talked about it beforehand. That stuff just I feel like hasn't been as prevalent this year. But you saw that last night. You saw Kelsey and Mahomes kind of get on the same page timing wise. You know, that's one thing with the pass protection, uh, them improving. It helped Kelsey because Kelsey was still getting mugged last night. You know, it, it was still physical against him. But the thing is, the pass protection in Mahomes' pocket presence, standing tall in the pocket, was allowing Kelsey to get off that coverage. Even if it was taking a little longer than it should, it still allowed him to get off that and Mahomes to stay in rhythm and find him You know, once he gets off that. you know, Yeah, maybe it's a second later than it should be, but it, it was still allowing that to happen. The, the best Mahomes-Kelsey play last night was uh, Kelsey you know, on a rollout, Kelsey blocking Crosby in space, Crosby trying to get past him. Kelsey kind of lets, you know, I don't know, it, you know, Crosby probably beats him a little bit and and comes on Mahomes and all of a sudden Mahomes flicks it real quick, you know, just a, a yard or two to Kelsey in front and then Kelsey goes 15 yards. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that we haven't really been seeing from those two in recent weeks. And it felt like that chemistry was really back on yesterday. And it was, it was just nice to see. It was good to see Kelsey. He, it's been a little frustrating season for him, I feel like. He really had a good game last night. And, it, and it's good to see him kind of get back in a rhythm. Yeah, the, the broadcast did a nice job of highlighting Kelsey just playing the tight end position fully. And for anybody who's still doubting that he's the best tight end in the NFL or who wants to question his effort when it comes to blocking, watch that. Watch some, some of the highlights or even you know go back and watch the film from last night. Kelsey was doing his job in the blocking. He was helping out Wiley. He was helping out uh, the offensive line. And in that play – blocking a really good pass rusher, as you argued, one of the best in the NFL this year, one-on-one, and then getting out in his route, and then getting yards after the catch. There's not many – there's some tight ends that are good at one or two of those things. It's pretty rare, and and I would say there's probably one – he's one out of one that that does it as well as he does in all three layers there. Blocking, getting the release, getting open, catching the ball, and then running after the catch – uh, just a really, really good performance. Just textbook tight end play out of Travis Kelsey, who a lot of people wanted to start saying that he was slowing down, that he was on the on the downhill slope of his career, that we can't expect him to be who he once was. Um, I, I think I think he got a pretty strong answer uh, from Kelsey that he he hasn't gone anywhere. 
Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, you're right. No, it, it was a thing. It was a, a, a narrative uh, starting to get spelled that this physical coverage was giving Kelsey so much trouble and he was too old or not as explosive enough to get off of it anymore. I really think a lot of those problems uh, was just that Mahomes was just so kind of uncomfortable in the pocket and uh, off rhythm because of the coverage kind of just taking Kelsey off the timing, like I said earlier, just kind of a second off of where he should be at the time. I feel like if Mahomes is playing more confidently, that stuff gets negated because Mahomes can stay in there, find a way to kind of just, you know, uh, stay in a way to, you know, uh, stay in a position to throw the ball and wait for Casey, Kelsey to get off the coverage. And that's what happened last night. So, yeah, it, it was really good to see. And and when Kelsey's on when and when that connection is on, it makes everything else so much harder to, to defend for the for the defense, because. Yeah, bring the, your double team on to Kelsey. See what happens. Uh, you know, you, now you got Hill over the top. So, oh man, it it was good to see the Mahomes um, Mahomes led offense back. Man, it was it's been a few a few almost a month now before uh, since we've seen a really true vintage Mahomes offensive performance like this. It was good. Absolutely. Well, we we thought we'd do a little check in on our preseason over unders. Now that the season just passed the halfway point uh, and the Chiefs feel like they're back on track. Uh, we're going to do a quick check-in after the break on some of the over-unders that we had prior to the season. We'll see who's on track and who's on pace to hit some of those targets and who already has and where Ron was wrong. That's really what I'm going for here is to try to find how many times was Ron Cobb Jr. incorrect in our over-unders. We'll get to that plus your Twitter questions right after the break as we get a word from our sponsors. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back in Chiefs Kingdom. Thank you for staying with us on the Out of Structure podcast on a on a beautiful Monday in Chiefs Kingdom on a victory Monday, third straight victory Monday. After a 41-14 beatdown of our of our hated rival, the Las Vegas Raiders. Vegas still just doesn't sound right, by the way. Um, it, it really doesn't, but still the Oakland Raiders to me. But anyway, we we as Stags kind of teased before the break, we're getting into the over-unders that we kind of picked. If you guys remember before the season, we picked out, you know, maybe 10 or 15 over-unders that we we predicted. Um, we're just gonna pick out a handful of them. From then and and see how we're doing so far. Uh, look at the on pace stats for some players. And the first one, Stags, got to give credit to Stags here. I doubted Tommy Townsend. I doubted the majestic, beautiful mane that Tommy Townsend has coming out of the back of his helmet, and predicted that he would not go over 0.5 first or you know passes, fake punt passes converted for a first down. I'm pretty sure that's what the over under was. Um, and and we put it at 0.5, and I said under. I just did not think he could do it. Stags believed in him, and we saw it last night. Stags finally a fake punt. Tommy Townsend throwing to Marcus Kemp for a first down. I'll let you take your victory lap here. How cool is that play? That was, that was a fun play to to see. It's a beautiful thing. It looked like Trevor Lawrence in more ways than one uh, last night. <laughs> and, nice. But yeah, Tommy Townsend got a, He throws a nice ball, man. Hit hit um, Marcus Kemp out there with a tight spiral. Um, he's definitely not a quarterback the way he steps into his throws and how long it takes him to deliver, but we will take it. I thought that was a, that was a nice play and a good point in the game to do that. And, uh, yeah, he's already hit that over. So it's nice to be right once already. Uh, how about Patrick Mahomes? We had the over under 
at 39 and a half touchdowns. Uh, right now, Mahomes is on pace for, depending on what outlet you look at, I, I've seen somewhere between 4,700 and 4,900 yards, 40 touchdowns, 16 or 17 interceptions. That's what he's on pace for right now. Um, I believe I took the over on, on 39 and a half and Ron took the under. So if he's trending in the direction of me being correct on this one, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. I mean, quick math, he has 25 touchdowns in 10 games. So if he does play all 17 and I'm sure that's where the pacing stuff kind of gets tricky. Although at this point, I guess they're probably going to play all 17, right? I mean, why would they, although I don't know, I guess they could maybe the division maybe could get, you know, out of hand depending on what's going on. But anyway, on pace for 42 and a half touchdowns in 17 games. So yeah, you are on pace to be correct. I doubted Mahomes, and one reason why, and I think this part of the logic is actually still true. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm right still, uh, somehow. Um, I just thought the run game would be so strong this year; it'd be a lot stronger, and it has been. The run game has been a lot stronger. The offensive line is is blocking very well. I thought that there would be a lot more rushing touchdowns this year um, to dwindle down the passing touchdown total of Mahomes. And it still kind of has been that way, but not enough. He is still on pace to go over 40. So I'll give you your credit, Sags. Right now, it looks like you're winning that bet. Well, I'll argue that he's made it through, hopefully, that bad stretch of the season, and he's still yeah. on pace. So you'd hope that as things progress, he has more games like the Raiders games and fewer games than like the Titans game going forward. Uh, he might hit that over maybe sooner than we think. All right. Um, what else you got? Uh, Tyreek Hill looks like he's on pace for a, a good number of targets this season, right? Yes. Yeah. You know, that's one thing we'll just, well, we didn't do an over under on Tyreek, but how crazy it's pretty crazy. His stat line right now. So first of all, he's on pace for 188 targets in, in this season, which is by far the most in his career. The second most he's ever seen is 130 something targets. So he's on pace for nearly 60 more targets than he's ever seen in his career. Um, which, I don't know. That's just crazy to me. 127 catch catches. The second most, the most he has in his career right now is 87. So that means he's on pace for nearly 50 more or 40 more catches. Excuse me, 40 more exactly more catches uh, than he's had in any other point in his career. Crazy enough, is not on pace for most yards he's ever had in his career. Um, he's he averaged 17 yards a catch in 2018. He's only averaging 11 yards a catch this year. I feel like that is you can kind of see that uh, just watching the games. And then he's on pace for 13 touchdowns, which we've seen him get 15 touchdowns before. So, you know, it, it's not it, it, the targets and catches are the career breaking stuff. And that kind of just shows you how much they're relying on Tyreek right now, um, which, you know, is good. There's good and bad things to do in that. Um, but, yeah, it, that is one thing. Uh, Tyreek's on pace stuff right now. You know, he leads the league in, set, in, in receptions right now. He is he is the most relied upon receiver in the entire NFL. As, as I feel like that's usually Kelsey's kind of job, but. But this year, it's been Hill as the kind of security blanket. Hopefully, you drafted Tyreek Hill in all of your PPR fantasy football leagues this season. Because, uh, yes, he's getting the targets. A lot of it's been the underneath stuff as, as this Chiefs offense has struggled to get on track. Uh, he has been taking a lot more of the short stuff uh, in, in hopes that, that his yard after catch could, could help them make a play when nobody else could. So this felt like more of a normal performance this week uh, where he got loose a little bit. He got some some downfield passes. Uh, so I would expect his averages to start going up just a little bit as he goes forward and gets kind of back to that, that normal flow that he and Mahomes have together. Uh, but yeah, if those targets keep up and his average gets back a little bit closer to normal, it's going to end up being a monster statistical year for him. Yeah, exactly. He's like I said, he's most relied upon receiver and no other second receiver stepping up. So Mahomes is just going to keep feeding him and, and it, and it is happening. Um, also, though, other pace stats. So, Kelsey, we we're talking about Kelsey a little bit. Um, he is not on pace for a career year whatsoever. Um, he is, he's, he's not going to have as many yards as he's had in, in the past, even through 17 games. And I'm talking 17 games paces, so it's a little different. Only 1,270 yards on pace for 105 catches, which actually is tied for the most in his entire career. So, there you go. But that's, like I said, 17 games. Um, and eight touchdowns, which is a pretty good number, but not as many as he's had in a couple years under Mahomes. Uh, but another receiver we, we we should talk about because he had another good game last night. And you know, obviously, he's not the wide receiver too that maybe you know maybe the offense kind of needs a little bit. But 
Byron Pringle, he is on pace right now for 37 catches, 511 yards, and five touchdowns. And I think that number, that touchdown number is pretty important because McCall Hardman, in the comparison, has one touchdown this year, and he's only on pace for one touchdown. He's not on pace to get any more. Um, but that's just the it, it is the cool part about Byron is that you know the his career high before this year was 170 receiving yards. He's on pace for 511 right now. He is. We've all kind of known that he could do this to a, to an extent. You know, maybe we hype. Maybe at some points, you know, I was always a Byron Pringle fan. Maybe we thought he could be a legit wide receiver too. It doesn't look like that's probably the case. But he can be a nice wide receiver three, a solid reserve receiver, and we're seeing that this year with his stats. I mean, this is a really good year for Byron Pringle. Yeah, I took the words out of my mouth. I think the expectations are the key here. Is if you're expecting him to be, you know, Sammy Watkins or better, you might be disappointed. But for a number three receiver, a guy that plays physical, a guy that plays special teams, that does all the little things that you want him to do, um, he had a fantastic game yesterday. I thought he he made some big catches. Uh, some tough catches, and then ran a really nice route on that touchdown play where he was clearly just right in sync with Mahomes. So so really good performance out of Pringle. He's had a couple of good performances this season. I'd like to see it more consistently, but uh, but all, all good stuff for Pringle so far. Yeah, and, and we're going to go back to the over-unders here because we do got to make sure we hold ourselves accountable, right? Because uh, – one we we swung and missed pretty hard on was Chris Jones over under 15 and a half sacks. Uh, we both said the over and that is sitting at three right now. So uh, quick math would say it's not uh, on pace for 15 and a half uh, or 16 sacks. I should say. Um, I, I'm going to run through these real quick because I want to make sure we get to something uh, I, I found on the defense. Um, but uh, also another one we both seems like we're going to be swinging and missing on is Clyde. And I do want to talk about Clyde real quick, so we'll stop here for a second. But nine and a half touchdowns over under total touchdowns for Clyde this year. Uh, you said under, and I said over nine and a half total touchdowns. He is at two total right now, receiving-wise. And so, good for you. It looks like you're going to hit that. You know, not good for the offense necessarily, obviously. But this is where I want to get your opinion on here because we both talked about how Mahomes is in rhythm. Mahomes is hitting his checkdowns in rhythm. You know, Darrell Williams being able to get nine catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown. You now that's impressive. But if that's Clyde, I think that you know those those checkdown passes could turn into much bigger plays, and, and that could become a huge part of this offense all of a sudden. If Mahomes is starting to get more comfortable just checking down in rhythm, because Clyde could make those you could turn those plays into way bigger plays than Daryl could, in my opinion. You know that it's interesting. You know, obviously, I've been the big fan of of Clyde Edwards Hilaire on this podcast. Uh, been fairly consistent in saying that this guy is, you know, can be a difference maker for this team. Um, his injury obviously has, has hurt his stats for the season. And his usage has always been really questionable, right? We've, we've never really seen him get involved in the pass game to the extent that we think he's capable of. The Chiefs seem a lot more willing to throw the ball to Darrell Williams for whatever reason than Clyde. And, and hopefully that, you know, they're starting to see some good results from Darrell and, and they'll see when Clyde is back. Uh, that spreading that around and, and getting Clyde some of those opportunities is going to be fruitful for him because I do think he can consistently churn out, you know, double-digit gains uh, on a regular basis and, and make guys miss. I mean, Daryl doesn't make a lot of guys miss. Um, he'll get through. He'll get through the hole, you know, quick. He'll get downhill. He, he ran some people over this week, especially. And right. and again, to his credit, to see him out jump a safety and and make a play in the end zone uh, this week was was a big surprise. But Clyde is a very different player, and, and the two may complement each other pretty well. Um, I, I think it probably means that, that Derek Gore's time on the active roster is, is probably going to come close to an end. Uh, but a rotation of Clyde and Daryl you know, going forward, I think it's going to be a positive. And Clyde's going to start racking up the, the stats again. I, I think if they stick to running the ball, this offensive line you know, and, and this offense and his ability to – to, to squeeze out some extra yards and make some people miss. I think it bodes really, really well for him in the second half. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I really think, though, it, it could be a huge thing for this offense if Mahomes is, is, just gets in rhythm in terms of checking down to Clyde. Because, like I said, Clyde one-on-one with a linebacker or even you know even a DB in, in space, he, he's pretty good about just making that first guy miss. Um, and, and he's always been kind of good at that. And so I'd like to see that a little more. Um, it'd be fun to see Clyde back in that role. 
But another over-under that, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Maybe Legereus Sneed starts getting it going a little more as a playmaker because he is coming on. I mean, we were seeing some really good play from Legereus Sneed in recent weeks. We had the over-under at three and a half interceptions for Legereus Sneed this season. And that was because that is uh, four interceptions would be the most an, a Chiefs defender has had in the Spagnolo era. Uh, if your name's not Tyron Matthew, obviously, because we know Tyron racks him up. But he only has one so far, and that was against the Packers last week. Really good play. But let's take this opportunity to kind of give some love to Jerry Sneed and maybe the rest of the cornerbacks, because that entire trio continues to play really well. And someone like Rashad Fenton, who I know got a DPI last night, but he's he forced that fumble on Deshaun Jackson. Um, you know, in the game too, man, this cornerback group is playing real well and they're all, they're all playmakers. I know you really like what you saw from Sneed last night in terms of, uh, you know, early in the game, especially, I think he set the tone early for the defense. He did his ability to tackle and to close on the ball carrier, um, is, is really coming in handy. And I, I think he erased what could have been some big plays really turned some drives around, you know, with the, the stop on third down, short of the sticks, um, and then the penalty eliminated their ability to to go for uh, go for it on fourth down. I mean that was a massive play that took points off the board. And you know he's never been shy about sticking his nose in there. He plays the game, you know the way it's supposed to be played. And he's a really fun player to watch. Got a nose for the football, so I'm still pretty confident that we can get past the uh, three and a half over under for interceptions on on Snead because as the as the front seven, as those the pass rush starts to play better, as they have the last few weeks, there's more jump balls. There's going to be more opportunities for these guys in the secondary to pick pick off a pass. I mean, how many times did Derek Carr throw the, throw the ball up in the air just for grabs yesterday? Um, and several of those fell, you know, to the ground harmless. But the opportunities I think are there when the pass rush is getting there and the Chiefs are playing with the lead uh, so much more than they were earlier in the season. Yeah, that's a great point about the pass rush helping the corners get more turnovers because um, they are playing really good coverage right now. And if that can be combined with, yeah, the pass rush forcing. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there was, what, three passes I can remember off the top of my head where it just looked like a punt, basically. And, yeah, a couple of them were able to fall to the ground. But Sorensen got one of them. Um, so, yeah, it is good to see the DBs making more plays now. Now, Trey Smith. Now, he, we kind of maybe messed up this line a little bit before the season. This is me. This is on me because I, ma- I made these lines up. You know, I figured, hey, eight and a half pancakes, eight and a half pancake blocks uh, over under over a season. That makes sense, right? I mean, you're not going to get one every game, maybe one every couple games if you're really good. I mean, I didn't keep, I haven't kept count, to be honest with you, because we're losing count because he has pancaked a dude maybe one or two times a game so far. Um, you, you went over, I think I went under just to be different, I think, which is, was not smart, but, uh, again, there was one play. We actually were watching the game a little bit before stacks before we hopped on. And there was that one play that we were watching. It was counter, which I've been begging for to see more of. Um, and, and that's when Trey Smith kicks out and buries a dude. And then Noah Gray leads up the hole. I mean, that, that's exactly what Trey Smith does. He, he, he just puts people to the ground. Uh, it happened yesterday again, and that's why the run game at times was really effective because they were trusting Trey to do what he does best, pull and, and kick somebody out. Yeah, you never know how it's going to translate from college to the pros and, and some of the physically dominant players in the college game, you know, try to come into the NFL and bully, you know, bigger, stronger defensive linemen, and it doesn't work out in their favor. Um, I think it's worked out in Trey Smith's favor. I mean, I think that's safe to say at this point. Uh, he's, he's obviously been phenomenal. I would, I would say he's probably – I bet, he's, I bet he's above three a game in, in pancakes if we went back and, and watched yeah. that snap. Uh, so he's way over that eight-and-a-half uh, target. Uh, just been a monster. But but it's not just him. I mean, Creed Humphrey this week uh, put a couple of highlight reel plays, a couple of a posterized plays if you take an NBA uh, approach to it, um, to see him taking that defensive back and, and just throwing him, uh, taking him for a ride. There was another play where, where Creed – took a defensive lineman and threw him through Trey Smith uh, to the ground uh, that Creed Humphrey has been as good, if not better than any other center in the NFL this season, which is a remarkable statement to make in his rookie season. And the rest of the offensive line has been really good too, but that, that interior, uh, those guards uh, have just been, the guards and centers have just been awesome. And, and, you know, how many years has it been since we've been able to say the chiefs have, not just a pretty good offensive line or, or an offensive line that if you squint, 
you can see how they could be good or they're good except for against good pass rushers. These guys are legitimately putting together a season and putting together some film that puts them in the top five, uh, maybe even higher in the NFL, period. No asterisks needed, no footnotes needed. This offensive line has the ability, and they're showing the ability, and they're getting better as they go along. Uh, you got to be really excited about the offensive line group. Yeah, and, and that's what's going to win you games in, in January is being able to pound the rock, get explosive plays in the run game, You know, be able to churn out five, six, seven yards in the run game when you need it. And this offensive line is absolutely shaping up to be able to do that. And that is one thing where I kind of complain that they should be running those power runs more, those gap runs. You know, hey, maybe Andy is just kind of saving uh, that spamming, you know, that where they just really do it over and over. Maybe he's saving that until because, you know, you don't want a team to maybe pick up on your tendency to do that at some point, maybe. And in the playoffs, a team, you know, defenses aren't preparing for that, that sort of thing. You know, maybe he knows that he has that in his back pocket. And if he really needs to, when the, when it, it's on the line the most, he's going to go to that where they just pound the rock over and over and over. They have Clyde and Daryl just going down your throats over and over. I, I'd i love to see it because that's old school football. And and this and it's always fun to see that sometimes when you can. Uh, and and a Mahomes-led offense doesn't always do it, uh, but they absolutely can with this line. Um but the last one, last over under, we got to hit on another rookie. We're talking about rookies, Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith. We we uh, we went Noah Gray uh, with the 19 and a half reception line over under. That seems like a lot, and it is a lot compared to what he's done so far this season. Only three catches, um, but we were doing that because that is that was I think 18 or 19 catches was the most Demetrius Harris ever got in a season, which was the you know the best Chiefs tight end too we've seen in the Andy Reid era. As crazy as that is to say. Um, he's not on the pace for that whatsoever. Um, but he is kind of starting to heat up. He scored that touchdown last night. Um, are you, I don't know. Are we feeling good about Noah Gray? Is he starting to come around a little bit stags or should we start, uh, hyping him up like we were before the season? That's the thing. We, I think we got ahead of ourselves with Noah Gray, this idea that he was going to be a dynamic weapon that the chiefs were going to be super creative with, and that he could be on the field with Travis Kelsey and, and, you know, be a weapon and, and all of this stuff. I, I think we, we got a little overhyped about that early on. He's been pretty quiet this season. Um, some of that was because Jody Fordson stepped in and, and started being productive in that role. And I saw uh, some people on Twitter as, as that one drive where Noah Gray got three straight uh, targets uh, where people were saying this normally would be Jody Fordson's target. Um, but, but Gray did, um, you know, he didn't complete the first two. The third, third time was the charm completing a nice touchdown pass. Uh, for Noah Gray for his first NFL touchdown. Uh, congrats to him. That was a big a big step in the right direction. Uh, I, I don't know that he'll get to 19 and a half the way they've seen him utilized so far, uh, but maybe this is the start of him being a little bit more of a part of the offense now that, that Fortson's not there and they're starting to maybe open things up just a little bit. You see a lot of rookies where it takes them half a season before they start really being productive. Uh, Noah Gray may just be, you know, on the second half, uh, a late bloomer, if you will, in, in his rookie year. So I'm still optimistic about him. Uh, he's still a player that can help. And before I forget, the reason I think he can help is not just that he's some dynamic weapon, which, again, is yet to be proven, but he's blocking. Uh, his blocking effort and technique and ability and focus on that have been phenomenal. I've seen some metrics – with a very small sample size showing him as one of the better blocking tight ends uh, in the NFL. And, you know, again, very, very limited snaps so far, but, you know, for that kid to get on the field and to make a difference, he's got to block. Uh, and he's been doing a phenomenal job of that so far. Yes. And, you know, we were just talking about uh, running counter left, that gap run where Trey Smith kicks out. Well, their biggest run from the Raiders game was in the first half, about a 20, I want to say 22-yard run. And your guy, Noah Gray, guess who's leading up the hole, getting a great block on the play side linebacker to spring to spring the run. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. And, you know, it's crazy. It's, it, it's crazy you say that about the blocking thing is because I think we're starting to see that the Chiefs are noticing that maybe because it does seem like he's playing over Blake Bell in, in, in situations where – Bell would be the blocking tight end, and the, and you know, and you trust him to do that. Just like on that run I just talked about, that should be Bell. But maybe 
maybe they're starting to say see that Gray can kind of hold up in that end, but also give you the the better over Bell, obviously, the better receiving ability um, as well. And, and maybe that's why Gray's starting to get more and more snaps. Um, it's exciting because I think Gray has showed in college that he can be a, a dynamic receiver. And like you said, we have not seen that in the NFL at all. Um, I was actually on Twitter last night. I, I said, bleh, after two incomplete red zone targets to Noah Gray. Um, and obviously everyone knows third time's a charm. So you just had to throw that third red zone target in there. So that was all of our over-unders. But before we end this pod, Stags, and before we get into a few questions we did get from Twitter, I want to go over some – I want to talk about the defense real quick, some defensive stats that I noticed, some statistical trends that I noticed, kind of first half, second half things. So we played 10 games, right? Chiefs are 6-4. and four. There have been 10 games this season. First five games of the season, the Chiefs were allowing 32.6 points per game and 437 yards per game. The last five – so they've won four or five, right? Last five games, the Chiefs have allowed 15.6 points per game and only 309 yards per game. In those first five games, four of them, they allowed more than 436 total yards. 436. Last five games, they have not allowed in the single game more than 369 yards, and that was the only game they've allowed more than 300 yards on the dot. So in those last five games, they have only allowed a maximum of 369 yards or just 300 yards total. And that's a very low number in today's NFL. There's still second fewest sacks in the league, but all of a sudden, according to Pro Football Reference, they are 10th in team pressure rate, they are 9th in quarterback knockdown percentage, and they are 5th in hurry percentage. So they're still not finishing these sacks, but they're top 10 in three separate categories uh, in terms of team pressure rate. And lastly, and we can, and then we'll, I'll let you react to the defense. Oh, okay. I actually have two other things. Sorry. <laughs> last thing, last few things. First four games, they had, or first five games of the season, they had four turnovers. And all four of them happened in the first five quarters of the season. Remember Tyron's two picks in week two? So they had four turnovers in the first five quarters of the season, didn't have a single other one for the rest of those five first games. Last five games, they have eight turnovers and at least one every week, the defense does. So that tells you they're forcing turnovers now. And lastly, before I get your reaction to my rant, last two weeks, the Chiefs have allowed on third down three of 21. 14% of third downs the last two weeks have been converted against the Chief, or the Raiders and the Packers. That is an incredible number. And if you expand that out to three weeks, it's actually seven of 33. So a 21% rate on this three-game win streak of allowing teams to convert on third down. Stepping off my soapbox now so you can react, Stags. But those are insane turnaround defensive numbers the last uh, this second half of the season, and it points to this turnaround happening on the defense. So I, I don't have a lot to add to that. I mean, it's obviously a phenomenal turnaround. Uh, some of that you could argue is is opponent-related, right? So there's been some some lesser quarterbacks in the last few uh, few weeks that they've gone up against. But – a lot of it, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, is related to that front seven getting healthier, Nick Bolden getting more playing time, uh, Frank Clark playing like him, like his old self, uh, the corner rotation getting better with with Ward back, uh, and a little bit less of, of Mike Hughes. You know, I, I think there's there have been some personnel changes that have made a difference there. Obviously, uh, decreasing Dan Sorensen's uh, snaps, uh, everybody knows, has been a positive thing. Uh, but hey, give him credit for the interception this week. He took it right away from Juan Thornhill. Uh, ironically, uh, he, Thornhill took his starting job, so he took this interception away from him. Uh, but, uh, uh, but yeah, Sorensen getting back on the board was a positive, uh, even in his more limited snaps now. So, yeah, a lot of factors there. Uh, but I think it's all signs are, are, are pointing, pointing in the right direction, although we did see Chris Jones more on the outside this week. So anybody who thinks that the turnaround is related to him going back inside – uh, might have to to pump the brakes on that a little bit. Yeah, I guess that's going to be situational. Uh, I thought that was kind of a full-time thing. They switched back, but it, it, I guess not. I guess not. But I'm going to let you get into our questions before we get out of here now. You bet. As always, we appreciate your questions on Twitter. There's some good ones here that we wanted to get to. Uh, Christian Gumminger, who's you know a, a great uh, contributor as well. Uh, which, Shout out. Uh, which – Mahomes scrambling out, throwing a touchdown against Jonathan Abram was more embarrassing. Uh, so uh, a lot of people were, were 
beating up on Jonathan Abram after giving up that pass to, to Clyde Edwards Alaire. Uh, what was the other one that he's referring to? Did you that Freudian slip, Stags? You didn't even catch it. The the old you said uh Clyde just caught that touchdown instead of Daryl. Yikes, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Clyde, there you go. He's on the mind. We're we're just wanting him to get back so bad now. We're we're giving him touchdown catches now. So gotta pet his stats somehow, but uh so what do you think about Jonathan Abram as the uh defensive back uh, of choice uh for, for Mahomes? Yeah, so last year in the, in the game against the Raiders in Vegas, uh, the Chiefs won on Jonathan Abram basically leaving his zone in coverage, allowing Kelsey to be wide open in the end zone for a touchdown. And then this year, Daryl Williams, the power back himself, uh, you know, just just everyone's favorite downhill, get a few yards in, in a, on a third and short back. Randy mosses you, jumps over you in the end zone because Abram was in great position. And that's one thing is that, this was, could very easily have been a, oh, my God, Mahomes forced it again. That's an interception. You know, he's still, you know, he's still not learning to just stay within the offense, blah, 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 blah. That could have easily been that conversation all over again. But And, and that's what I love about Mahomes is he continues to give receivers chances like that. But, you know, maybe not give Darrell Williams a chance. Either way, that is a very embarrassing play by Jonathan Abram. Stags, give us your stat that you have from uh, your guy here on Twitter. Yeah, Scott Loring at Chiefs Channel. Uh, pointed out that last night, and this is, I think, per PFF, uh, Abram allowed 10 targets, 10 receptions, 134 yards, and a perfect uh, 158.3 quarterback rating uh, last night uh, against the Chiefs. So he was a uh, he was a friendly contributor uh, to the Chiefs' win last night, just like he was last year. So uh, appreciate Jonathan Abram and all his good work. Yeah, exactly. That was Abram is I, I said it in our AP Slack group chat and and I'm just feeling myself now that we're uh that we that we beat the Raiders so bad, but you know, Jonathan Abram is is Dan Sorensen with the mentality that he's Rodney Harrison. Um which hey, you know, confidence is everything. So if you think you're, you know, if you think you're one thing, it'll it'll help you play, I guess, but uh yeah. Uh not, not Abram just and and the how this is the craziest part actually. Is that Abram is their best first round pick over the last few years? <laughs> He's like the only one still with the team, isn't he? Exactly. I guess Josh Jacobs probably is a good one too. But yeah, it, it, it is pretty funny um, how that's went with the Raiders. Hey, Josh Jacobs, who had a monster game against the Chiefs yesterday with uh, seven carries and sixteen yards rushing. Um, so you know, good good defense, for the Chiefs. Defense. Again, another nice proof point there. All right, KC Baby Yoda at KC Yoda. Uh, on Twitter, what does Creed Humphrey have to do to get Offensive Rookie of the Year? He's attaching a clip of uh, the pancake on Kelsey's screen yesterday. We already yeah. talked about Creed, but what would it take for a center to be the Offensive Rookie of the Year? Man, there's not really a lot of rookies kind of separating from the pack. I think Mac Jones is probably going to win it because the Patriots are surging right now, and, and he did play very well against the Browns yesterday, but um, and quarterbacks, obviously, but I got to imagine Creed's kind of up there because I, it, I mean, Jamar Chase, I guess, also has a pretty good, pretty good case for it now that I think about it. But I think the national media is is looking at Creed Humphrey as one of the best centers in the NFL already, and so that kind of helps you. Shoot, if the, if there was ever going, if it was ever going to happen, Creed Humphrey is 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 definitely you know earning that right to be in the discussion. It's pretty crazy. Absolutely, I think we already hit on this one, but Craig Denny at Dream Perch One on Twitter. The Chiefs appear to be hitting a nice groove with Daryl Williams at running back with Gore. He says they have better bursts and better cuts than Clyde, and they fit with the offensive line better. Uh, now that Clyde's returning, will Andy go away from what's working, and should he? Yeah, no. It, Clyde would probably be – You know, I don't know how much better Clyde would be making some of these runs, but like I was saying with the check down stuff, Clyde's just a better in the open field kind of guy. You know, he's going to maybe get a few more yards in terms of squeezing out of a tackle, all that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't agree. It's not one of the situations where it's like ride the hot hand because both running backs are pretty much the same anyway. I think actually Clyde inserting back into this offense would, would increase the level of performance even more, which, you know, if they're playing like they are now, that's, that's, that's going to help. That's, that's going to make it even, even harder to defend them all of a sudden. We all have short memories, but there there was a time this season when the Chiefs' offense was a, a really efficient machine. And that time of the season was when Clyde Edwards-Alaire was putting together back-to-back 100-yard -back rushing performances. The, 
he is a, a good fit for this offense. He's a good fit for this offensive line. There were some struggles early on, but he was very efficient and really hitting his stride before the injury. Um, I don't think there's any reason to doubt that Edwards Lair shall get his starting role back and that Daryl Williams will continue to be a part of the offense as well. Uh, I, I do think Gore is going to be the odd man out there. Yeah, well, and that's the other thing, too. I mean, Daryl is running well, and, and I like how he's downhill. That does fit what we've been kind of talking about with the gap runs, these counter and powers. And so, yeah, use Daryl as the second back to spell Edwards Hilaire and, and use that duo moving forward as a, as a really nice duo that fits your line and is going gonna, is gonna to really you know boost the, the level of the running game. But, yeah, it's not a case of Williams needing to play over Clyde. That's ridiculous. Well, you know, it's, it is a small sample size, but I also think Jarek McKinnon is starting to play his tail off. Um, he's had some really highlight real blocking snaps, including the one on the game winner last week. And this week, to help close out the game, he got a couple of big plays uh, when he got the ball in his hands. I'd love to see him continue to be more involved in the offense because I do think he's he brings something a little bit different than both of those other guys. Uh, I, I'm pulling questions from Twitter, whether they asked them to us or not. Uh, at IG6America with the, the part the KC in America, if Reek isn't returning punts and kicks, uh, maybe McKinnon should be that guy. You know, I think we're, the Chiefs are trying out a different returner this week, obviously, with, with Hughes getting the ball instead of Hardman. And then uh, obviously Hughes had the fumble, which was quite frustrating to all watching. Um, McKinnon might be a guy who could do some some kick returning and punt returning uh, with his straight line speed. You know, the Chiefs haven't been bad at returner, really. You know, if you take away the turnovers, uh, they can they can get some yardage. But but yeah, whatever it takes to get McKinnon on the field and get the ball in his hands, I, I'm not opposed to it. It's not a bad thought. The only thing that I think of immediately that why it probably wouldn't do that is because he has been been a really important part of the special teams in terms of on punt return he's probably blocking on kick return he's probably blocking and and to, Toba's kind of touted him up as a pretty important piece of the special teams so that was the, that's the only reason I couldn't see it um, but it's not a bad thought because yeah I I do think it seems like whenever McKinney gets the ball in his hands it seems like good things happen so I it is surprising to me that they have kind of just trusted Gore so much more than McKinnon. Um, I, I really don't get that because Gore hasn't been as impressive to me as he was that first game against the Giants. The last couple mm -hmm. games, he's been meh to me. Well, all the rest of the questions we have are all on the same topic, on the same player. So let's finish with this uh, Josh Gordon question. Um, shout out to Hedgie and The Rich and Adam uh, and, and others bringing up a topic we've talked about before. Uh, why is Josh Gordon just not able to get involved in this offense? Man, his snap count went up. His snap count was was pretty good this game. He had more snaps. I actually saw he had more route run. He ran more routes, according to – I just lost the tweet, so now I'm not sure. But I, he ran more routes than McCole Hardman did uh, in this game. Uh, McCole Hardman ran 17 routes, and uh, uh, Josh Gordon ran 20. And so his snap count did go up. It's just the ball's not going his way. Uh, the, Mahomes isn't looking his way. And so that kind of tells you they're not necessarily designing a play for him. They're kind of just putting him in there in the in the flow of the offense, which is a good thing. But yeah, I, I'd like to see them just kind of get him the ball, especially in this game where it was comfortable for for a good stretch of the game, especially in the second half. Why not just get the ball in his hands? I don't understand that at all. But it does seem like on the positive side, his snap counts and his route running snaps are increasing. So he's obviously just getting, they're obviously trusting him more to just play within the offense, just in it, you know, without designing a certain package or play for him, just kind of being in the offense, uh, you know, any down, any play. Yeah. It, it is frustrating to see, to, to watch it, you know, a good talent, not really have an opportunity yet. And I don't know if it's, it's one of those things where he feels like, or the team feels like that he has to earn his way uh, to, to targets and, and earn his way through the offense, you know, by, by blocking and by being a, a decoy and, you know, whatever else. Um, but he's stringing together a lot of weeks here of zeros and, and no, no production at all. Sooner or later, you got to wonder if the teams, if he's just really not in the team's plans at all. So we can still hold out a little bit of hope, uh, especially as his snap counts rise that they're just, again, building towards the uh, late season or the playoffs, and, and maybe they're making him, again, making him earn his way uh, into some targets. But 
it just really does seem super obvious that he's a guy that you could just isolate, you know, a really simple route combination for him uh, and, and just throw him, throw him a couple balls just to get him going. Uh, you'd hope that they'll do that in the next couple of weeks. I'd argue if they don't in the next couple of weeks, it might not happen at all. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, I think, well, I think the two games or the game, I should say that we, that we, we can make maybe more of a uh, confident determining determination on it is after the bye week you know if they don't if they don't get him going after the bye week you know after he's already played in the offense for four or five games at that point you get the bye week to kind of reset kind of you know design maybe some ways to get him the ball or just kind of you know he the offense in general is just kind of ready to, to to move forward a little stronger and he's still not being involved yeah then then i think it's pretty clear to say that it's just not gonna happen you know it just isn't well in a game like yesterday when everybody else was involved, everything was clicking. Um, it doesn't really, it's not really a big deal in the grand scheme of things for this team. Right. It's obviously a big team, big deal for Gordon and his career. But uh, if the Chiefs are hitting on all cylinders like they were yesterday, and you've got Travis Kelsey leading the team with 119 yards receiving, Daryl Williams over 100 yards, Tyreek Hill at 83, and Byron Pringle with uh, 46 and a touchdown. You get that kind of performance from it from the Chiefs uh, uh, between their stars and their role players, and a performance like we saw from Patrick Mahomes. Then you know, I, th- I think the Chiefs are okay if they don't ever get anything from Josh Gordon. Uh, it would just be a nice boost if they get it. So, with that, let's go ahead and wrap up uh, a nice victory Monday after a comfortable win. This team's starting to look like what we thought they were all along. Uh, maybe our long four or five week national nightmare there is, is officially over and this team can uh, uh, start the march towards the playoffs and, and we'll see good things in the near future. Hopefully we're back again in a couple of weeks with another victory Monday uh, that we can talk about uh, after the holiday. Um, this chief's team now leading the AFC West in the driver's seat for a playoff spot. And, and that first seed and that first round by are not completely off the table yet. So until they are, we'll stay optimistic and you stay listening to our podcast and all of the Overhead Pride Podcast Network. Rate and review wherever you do that. Uh, thank you so much for spending time with us today. We'll talk to you again soon and, and go Chiefs. <laughs>